boy, fagging. I spent two long years as a fag at Repton, which meant I was the servant of the study holder in whose study I had my little desk. If the study holder happened to be a house bozer, so much the worse for me because bozers were a dangerous breed. During my second term, I was unfortunate enough to be put into the study of the head of the house, a supercilious and obnoxious 17-year-old called Carlton. Carlton always looked at you right down the length of his nose, and even if you were as tall as him, which I happened to be, he would tilt his head back and still manage to look at you down the length of his nose. Carlton had three fags in his study, and all of us were terrified of him, especially on Sunday mornings, because Sunday was study cleaning time. All the fags in all the studies had to take off their jackets, roll up their sleeves, fetch buckets and floor cloths, and get down to cleaning out their study holder's study. And when I say cleaning out, I mean practically sterilizing the place. We scrubbed the floor and washed the windows and polished the grate and dusted the ledges and wiped the picture frames and carefully tidied away all the hockey sticks and cricket bats and umbrellas. All that Sunday morning, we had been slogging away, cleaning Carlton's study, and then, just before lunch, Carlton made himself strode into the room and said, You've had long enough. Yes, Carlton, the three of us murmured, trembling. We stood back, breathless from our exertions, compelled, as always, to wait and watch the dreadful Carlton while he performed the ritual of inspection. First of all, he would go to the drawer of his desk and take out a pure white cotton glove, which he slid with much ceremony onto his right hand. Then, taking as much care and time as a surgeon in an operating theater, he would move slowly around the study, running his white gloved fingers along all the ledges, along the tops of the picture frames, over the surfaces of the desk, and even over the bars of the fire grate. Every few seconds, he would hold up these white fingers up close to his face, searching for traces of dust, and we three fags would stand there watching him, hardly daring to breathe, waiting for the dreaded moment when the great man would stop and shout, Ha! What's this I see? A look of triumph would light up his face, and he held up one white finger, which had on it the tiniest smudge of gray dust, and he would stare at us with his slightly popping pale blue eyes and say, You haven't cleaned it, have you? You haven't bothered to clean my study properly. To the three of us fags who had been slaving away for the whole of the morning, these words were simply not true. We've cleaned every bit of it, Carlton, we would answer, every little bit. In that case, why has my finger got dust on it? Carlton would say, tilting his head back and gazing at us down the length of his nose. This is dust, isn't it? We would step forward and peer at the white-gloved forefinger and the tiny smidgen of dust that lay on it, and we would remain silent. I longed to point out to him that it was actual impossibility to clean a much-used room to the point where no speck of dust remained, but that would have been suicide. Do any of you dispute the fact that this is dust? Carlton would stay, still holding up his finger. If I am wrong, do tell me. It isn't much dust, Carlton. I didn't ask you whether it was much dust or not much dust, Carlton would say. I simply asked you whether or not it was dust. Might it, for example, be iron filings or face powder instead? No, Carlton. Or crushed diamonds, maybe? No, Carlton. Then what is it? It's, it's dust, Carlton. Thank you, Carlton would say. At last you have admitted that you failed to clean my study properly. I shall therefore see all three of you in the changing room tonight after prayers. The rules and rituals of fagging at Repton were so complicated that I could fill a whole book with them. A house bozer, for example, could make any fag in the house do his bidding. He could stand anywhere he wanted to in the building, in the corridor, in the changing room, in the yard, and yell, FAG! at the top of his voice, and every fag in the place would have to drop what he was doing and run flat out to the source of the noise. There was always a mad stampede when the call of fag 
echoed through the house because the last boy to arrive would invariably be chosen for whatever menial or unpleasant task the bozer had in mind. During my first term, I was in the changing room one day just before lunch, scraping the mud from the soles of my steady holder's football boots when I heard the famous shout of fag far away at the other end of the house. I dropped everything and ran, but I got there last, and the bozer who had done the shouting, a massive athlete called Wilberforce, said, Doll, come here. The other fags melted away with the speed of light, and I crept forward to receive my orders. Go and heat my seat in the bogs, Wilberforce said. I want it warm. I hadn't the faintest idea what any of this meant, but I already knew better than to ask questions of a bozer. I hurried away and found a fellow fag who told me the meaning of this curious order. It meant that the bozer wished to use the lavatory, but that he wanted the seat warmed for him before he sat down. The six house lavatories, none with doors, were situated in an unheated outhouse, and on a cold day in winter you could get frostbite out there if you stayed too long. This particular day was icy cold, and I went out through the snow into the outhouse and entered number one lavatory, which I knew was reserved for bozers only. I wiped the frost off the seat with my handkerchief, then I lowered my trousers and sat down. I was there a full fifteen minutes in the freezing cold before Wilberforce arrived on the scene. Have you got the ice off it? he asked. Yes, Wilberforce. Is it warm? It's as warm as I can get it, Wilberforce, I said. We shall soon find out, he said. You can get off now. I got off the laboratory seat and pulled up my trousers. Wilberforce lowered his own trousers and sat down. Very good, he said. Very good indeed. He was like a wine taster sampling an old claret. I shall put you on my list, he added. I stood there doing up my fly buttons and not knowing what on earth he meant. Some fags have cold bottoms, he said, and some have hot ones. I've only used hot bottom fags to heat my bog seat. I won't forget you. He didn't. From then on, all through that winter, I became Wilberforce's favorite bog seat warmer, and I used to always keep a paperback book in the pocket of my tailcoat to while away the long bog-warming sessions. I must have read the entire works of Dickens sitting on that bozer's bog during my first year at Repton.